I bring a message to the children of God this morning. If you have no need of a Savior, if your works, your free will, your decision, or anything is what you are trusting in, this message is not for you. Thus saith the Lord, salvation is of the Lord and the Lord alone. Amen. He shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people. I'd like to begin here in the 12th chapter of Mark at verse 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel. Now I want to stop right there a moment. We'll pick up the rest of that verse in just a moment. But I want to explain what it is when we said when Jesus answered him. A scribe had come with the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him, to catch our Lord in his words. This is what this is what false religions do. They want to take and debate the Word of God into a position that fits their own imagination. They want to catch the Word of God so that they can find something that fits them, something that makes them happy, something that tickles their ears, something that gives them that they can do to help out God. They want to catch Him in His words. You can read that over here in verse 13. And they sent unto Him, sent unto the Lord Jesus, certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians, to catch Him in His words. He asked this question of our Lord, which is the first commandment of all? You can read that in verse 28 if you'd like. Folks, our God, our great God, is glorified in all things. This virus that is spreading throughout the world will glorify our Lord. Now, I don't know how, but I know it will because everything glorifies the Lord. All glory belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will not share it with any other. This is a perfect example of that. Our Lord is using this scribe at this specific time, perfectly timed, according to God's purpose, to teach you and I something. Now we don't know anything other about this scribe, but that he came with the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch our Lord in what he said in his words, to test him, to try him. And our Lord will be glorified in all things, and that includes the deeds of the wicked. Think about this for just a moment, will you? Here we have this gentleman who knows a little bit about verses. He's been writing things. He's a scribe. That's what a scribe does. They write down the they, they take down the records of what's going on and they, they go in and they study the word of God. <clears throat> Do you think it's possible that this scribe might have debated that question a few times with others? Hey, what do you think? Joe, Joe, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this? Do you think do you think it's this way? Do you think it's that way the Lord's word does it mean, you know, what do you think? Let's let's talk about it and debate it for a bit. You think it's possible he debated with others? 
show how religious people love to to debate the fine points of doctrine. 2 Timothy 2.14, we read these words, strive about words to no profit. That's speaking of those when Paul was giving instructions to Timothy about raising up ministers of the Lord. Beware of those who are striving about the words to no profit, who go about debating words for useless reasons. We love to imagine that we know much, don't we? I know all about this virus. I know all about what masks do for you. I know all about what shots do for you. I know all about this. I know all about that. Whatever subject you want to talk about, I know all about this. I know all about that. Didn't I know all about Tahoe a moment ago? Yes, sir. You know why? It's the nature. It's our very nature to express what we know before others. Oh, how we love to imagine that we know much. Yet when it comes to heavenly things, we know very, very, very little. We only know what our Lord sees fit to reveal. And our debate is but the outward display of our inward desires for recognition and praise. Oh, did you see... Did you hear this guy? He knows a lot. You need to go listen to him because he knows a lot about this and about that. The religion of the self-righteous is all about themselves. These are things that you and I, children of God, as I said, I'm bringing a message to God's people. These are things that we easily fall into. I don't walk down the road thinking to myself, I'm going to go and brag to these people over here, but I do walk down the road and begin to brag about myself to others. We exercise our religion only for the strife and debate and to smile or to smite with the fist of wickedness. That's in Isaiah 58.4. Folks, be warned. Nothing spiritual is ever gained by religious debate. We love to debate because we love to impress others with our knowledge, but it's usually nothing more than carnal and sinful stuff that we bring out. Debating is not witnessing. It's only debating the display of carnal pride. It's never for the glory of God. It's nothing more than to exercise our knowledge. That's why we are encouraged when we read the words in Titus 3.9, avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. Did you catch that? That's exactly what that scribe was trying to do. What is the first commandment? What is the most important commandment? Strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain, is what God says. Inspiring the the uh, the apostle to write that. Unprofitable and vain. You want to witness? Here's how you witness. Here's how the Lord tells us to witness. Go and tell others what great things Jesus Christ has done for you. How can I witness best to my son? 
I had the opportunity to do that this week. <laughs> this is why I told my son that I come to my Lord all the time because I need Him. I need a great God who has the power to forgive me for what I am. You want to witness? Go to your loved ones and tell them how great things Christ has done for you. Let's consider these words that we just read. Hear, O Israel. And the first question that must come to our minds is how can dead men hear? How can one who is spiritually dead hear the spiritual word of the Lord? Now I want to ask you to mark your, buck, mark your spots here in Mark and turn over to Ezekiel chapter 37. Our Lord gives us a wonderful example of how dead people hear. Just as He gave us an example with the story of Lazarus. How did Lazarus come forth? Well, he had to be given life before he could hear the words of God when the Lord Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Here in Ezekiel 37, and many of you know this story quite well, maybe even well enough to quote it without reading it, but oh, how wonderful and good it is for us to read these things occasionally, sometimes week to week, maybe even day by day to remind us to remind us of our state before God and His grace in coming to us when we were dead in trespasses and sin and giving us life. Are you with me in the book of Ezekiel? Look with me if you would at verses 1-14. through 14. Ezekiel 37, verses 1-14. through 14, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. Here we go, the picture of every unregenerate soul. The picture of every one of God's people at one time. For we used to walk even as others, did we not? Isn't that what Scripture says in Romans chapter uh, or Ephesians chapter 2? We used to walk exactly as others did. It was the Lord who had to come to us and quicken us, give us life. A valley full of bones. And caused me, writes Ezekiel, to pass by them, in verse 2, and round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Now I heard, I heard a, a man who knows the old words, the original writings, and he can decipher them as well as anyone. And he's, he was saying that the word that is interpreted here, very dry, is actually something even more than that. It's so dry that there's not even any marrow left in the bone. You know, that's, that's inside the middle of the bone where there's that little bit of uh, DNA that people can still bring out even at, even at an age of, of 100 years or so. It's so dry. It's so parched. It's so cooked by the sun that there's, that there's not even any marrow left in the middle. And He said unto me in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? Well now, if you were looking out over a valley of bones and somebody asked you, is there any chance these bones could live? And in your natural state, wouldn't you say, <laughs> come on. Be serious. Nothing can come back from that state. That's as dead as dead can be. That's so dead that it's even past the point of stinking. Can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, Thou knowest. You know, Lord. 
Only you know that if they could live or not. And against and again he said unto me, Prophesy, preach, speak unto these ones upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. O ye Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews of the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, now this is a picture of our flesh being brought to life, but then here's the soul. There was no breath in them. The soul. There, and he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and to say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breathe, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood up on their upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my Spirit in you, and ye shall live. And I shall place you in your own land, then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. Now we come into this world nothing but dry bones. Dead, dry bones. And through the preaching of God's sovereign grace, the Spirit of life comes to His elect in the day of His love. It's called born again. We must be born again. The old nature fights against God. The old heart is a stony heart that says, I will not have this one to rule over me. And by the grace of God, He comes to us when we were dead in trespass and sin, and He quickens us. He gives us life, as He said right there in His Word, giving life to these bones, breathing the Spirit of God into their, into their bodies. And He moves upon the souls of His people, giving life to as many as the Father hath given Him. That's in John 17. This is why we declare that the free will religions along with any works religion to be false. To exercise your so-called will, you must first be given life to do anything. And dead men can't do anything. Once we were blind, but now we see how dead we really were. We see ourselves as these bones. We see ourselves as Lazarus in the tomb, smelling everything up with our sin. Stinking everything around us with the sin that's in us. 
And we see the truth of how it's God's power that must speak to us and give us life. It's by His grace that He comes to us when we're dead and gives us the life. You must first be given life to do anything. To hear the truths of God, one must be given spiritual ears. Ears of the heart. You know, every single miracle our Lord performed on this earth is a picture of Him curing. Him miraculously uh, curing anything that is wrong with those people. Those are all things that were wrong with us. We couldn't walk according to God. We couldn't hear the words of God. We couldn't speak any truths. We must be given faith where faith did not exist. Hear ye chosen of God. Hear ye loved of Him. Hear ye, O spiritual Israel. Back in our text if you would. Chapter 12, verse 29. Once again, Hear ye, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. We serve a triune God, yes. The God of all creation is three, yet one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, we read these words. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That's God's Word. The triune God. Three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yet one God. Then he says again in verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. In John chapter 10, verse 30, we read these words. Our Lord says for Himself, I and My Father are one. He didn't say we were one. We are as one. He says we are one. And if that's not good enough to point this truth out to you, listen to the words of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us... Let us make man in our image. Our Lord declares Himself as three before man was ever even created. Let us make man in our image. Now again, I'm going to ask you to hold your place and turn over to the John chapter 14 for just a moment. For the Father to accept your worship. For you to be truly a worshiper of God. You must worship the Son. If you don't worship the Son, you're not worshiping the Father. For in Him, in the Son, in Christ Jesus the Lord, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth. 
Are you with me in John chapter 14? Look at verses 1 through 11. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Folks, this is our peace. This is the peace that we can walk through this valley of shadow of death through. This is the peace that we can have when we look in the mirror and see our sin and turn away from that and see our Lord and Savior. We know that Jesus Christ went to the cross and laid down His life and shed His own blood and that that blood was efficient because it's the blood of God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know not, or whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And then Thomas, Thomas speaks up and he said, now this is doubting Thomas. He says, he saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You must worship the Son in order to worship the Father. Verse 7, And if ye have known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, ye know Him and have seen Him. Now they were looking at Jesus Christ speaking right to Him. Can you get any more clear than that? That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one? When you look at Jesus Christ, when you worship Jesus Christ, you are worshiping the Spirit. You are worshiping the Father. We can't see the Father. Not in this flesh. For this flesh is sin. We can't see the Spirit because the Spirit is Spirit. But we can see Jesus Christ right here in His Word from cover to cover. We see His face. Everything about Him. His character. Who He is. He's God Almighty in the flesh. What He's done. We see His works in His Word. And when we see Him, we see the Father. Philip said unto Him again in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long a time with you, and ye hast thou, and ye hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father which dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Folks, this is again our God showing us that He is one. Now I'll go back to our text once again. And may God give us ears and understanding to finish these verses. Back again, once again, in the book of Mark chapter 12. We've read the first verse 29. And Jesus answered it and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt, this verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is the first commandment. 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all thy soul. And with all thy mind. And with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Did you come up short? Did you miss the mark? I can't even... I can't even see the mark, let alone reach it. I want to love my Lord with all my heart. I want to love Him with all my soul. I want to love Him with all my mind and all my strength. But oh, how I come up short every second of every day. Not just when I walk out that door, but when I walk in it and come in here. When I stand here before you, a sinner, deserving nothing of my Lord, but yet He is gracious to us, gracious through His love to us, giving us His Son. What a commandment! What a commandment God tells you and I. Hear, O Israel. You must love God with all your mind, all your strength, all your heart. Because of His love for me, He has revealed to me that in this flesh there is no good thing. And by His revelation, I have no confidence in what I think my love for Him is. I have no confidence in my feelings. I have no confidence in my thoughts. How can I fulfill this or any commandment for that matter from the highest above all? How can I love the Lord in perfection? Because that's what it requires. Perfection. We must be perfect to be in the presence of our God. For Him to even think upon us, we must be perfected. We must be per- perfect. Holy. Unblameable. How can I love the Lord in perfection with all my heart, all my soul, all my might, and all my strength? I can't. Just as I cannot redeem myself of my own sin. That's what works religion is. Works religion is thinking that you can do something to redeem yourself of sin. And it's absolutely false. Only by the grace of God are we taught that salvation is of the Lord. I need a Savior. And God requires perfect holiness, nothing less. I need a substitute. Abraham, the man of God, who believed God. 
just in the same way you and I do. By faith, we are given the gift of faith to believe our Lord and Savior, to believe that this is His Word. You believe it? It's because God has given you the gift to do so. Abraham, who believed God, he took his son up to a mountain to sacrifice him per the instructions of God. And when they got to the mountain, the son said, Do, we've got the fire, we've got, we've got the, the altar all set up, everything's here, the wood, the fire, we don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham told his son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide Himself. In Matthew 1, verse 23, we read these words, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people. John the Baptist called Him this, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Our Lord became flesh so that He could sacrifice Himself, lay down His life for you and I because He's loved us from before the world ever was. I just love this idea, this very thought that God has created everything so you and I will be exactly where we are along with all of His people, more than any you can count on any sand of any beach, so that they will be exactly where they are in time for Him to come to them and shine His love upon them in grace, giving them life. Everything. 9-11, when those buildings fell, was exactly so that one of God's children might be called that day. This virus going around is exactly the way it should be. Who knows, God may be calling one of His children out of that darkness this day. I know this. I know this. Experiencing what it is to have that virus in me. That it brought me to my knees before my Lord and I cried out, My God, my God, have mercy on me. And that's a good thing for me. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2 and I'll bring this to a close. Hear, O Israel, it said. Be aware of those who say to you, you must do this or you must do that. Or anything in regards to salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone. Beware of those who belittle the power of God to save by, say, by saying God loves everyone and you must do this or you must do that to receive that love. Do not even associate with their religious philosophies, blasphemies, religious traditions, rudiments of this world, for they deny the power of Christ. Are you with me in Colossians chapter 2? Look at verses 6-8. through eight. As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, beware. You know, I've been told 
Why do you always have to beat up on these other religions? Why is it the ministers of grace are always putting before the people free will religion, works religion? Why are you always warning them about it? Let me ask you this. Why is God warning us about it right here in verse 8? Isn't that the warning of God? Beware. Pay attention to this. Avoid it. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy in vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's another Jesus being preached in churches all around the world. One who is weak. It's not the Jesus of Scripture because the Jesus of Scripture has all power in heaven and earth and in under the earth. Stand on solid ground is what we're being told. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of worthless man, lest any man should boast. And then in verse in Romans chapter 9, verses 13 through 16, we read these words. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion, so that it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Hear, O Israel, if you are in him, all his perfection is in you. Now put that in context with what we've read on the commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. If you are in Christ, His love for the Father is in you. And it's perfect. There's nothing in this flesh to look at but look to Him who is our perfection. We are perfected forever in Him and that love that He has for His Father is complete. It's perfect love. Just as His sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice, therefore it was accepted by the Father, so is His love. To be in Christ is to be perfected forever. Yes, our flesh is still a body of death, but we live in the Spirit. Isn't that what Romans 8.1 is telling us when it says, there is therefore now no condemnation? There's no charge that can be laid against you? Who can lay anything to the any charge to God's elect? They can't because we're in Christ. It's been paid for perfectly. By grace we are saved. By His grace. By His works. In my heart, a new heart that God has given me, I love God the Father perfectly with all my mind, all my soul, all my might. Now if you look at this body that's standing before you, you're not going to see that. But I'm thankful that God looks upon my soul, upon my heart. A heart that the Jesus Christ dwells in. Familiar words, eight. Romans 8, verse 31 through 34. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And just to emphasize that as deep as you can think of it, 
He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now look at verse 9 of chapter 2. In Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. For in Him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye... Now catch... Folks, catch this. This is how we love God the Father with all our heart and all our soul. Ye are complete in Him. In Christ which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen in Him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened. There's that word, given life. Together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting and the ordinances that was against us, which are contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Now go over to chapter 3 if you would. If ye then be risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Folks, what an affection I have for my Lord who loves me. Do you have that love in you? It's because He first loved us. Go and witness to your loved ones what great things He hath done for us. Verse 3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Oh, hear, O oh Israel. Israel's not talking about that little land over there on the other side of the big ocean. Israel is talking about spiritual Israel, God's people. Those that He has set apart from the world to hear His Gospel. We are complete in Him. Now with that in mind, go back to your text one more time. Mark chapter 12. Knowing that we are complete in Him. A moment ago, we were brought to the point of, can, that, can, I, can I do that? Can I do that? Not in my flesh. <laughs> but I'm complete in Him. <laughs> Knowing now what I know, just I'm complete in Him. Read these words once again. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all the strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. With man, this is as impossible as a camel going through the eye of a needle. But God. 
Don't you love that? I love this. I love the parts in the scripture where it says, but God. But with God, all things are possible. Thus saith the Lord, folks, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And then in this in another verse he says these words. For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The people of God. Hear ye, O Israel. We love the Lord God because He first loved us. And we're complete in Him. Amen. Will you stand with me, please?